Welcome to Impact the World, the show for and about creatives, changemakers, and entrepreneurs. This is a conversation episode where a special guest shares with me what they are creating and the behind the scenes journey of their experience. Hello, welcome to Impact the World, and thank you to those of you that tune in regularly. If you do enjoy the show, we are an independent show, and if you want to support us, you can either subscribe here on YouTube, or if you're listening over on Apple Podcasts or another platform, if you leave us a rating, a review, or subscribe, or all of the above, it really helps us with our mission for the show, so thank you. Today's guest is Alana Fairchild. Alana is someone whose name I was familiar with for several years, and I I think I'd heard about her books and her oracle decks, of which she has many. She also creates incredible music and meditations, has a beautiful singing voice, creates all kinds of divine offerings, and is a very multidimensional spiritual creative. So I was excited to meet her, especially as I'd recently got familiar with her decks through a friend, which I share in the conversation. The conversation goes everywhere. We talk a little bit about the creative process as a spiritual person and how you often need to just surrender to the creative chaos and let creativity show itself to you and be a divinely led purpose until you organize it, finish it, package it. So it was interesting to hear a little bit of Alana's process around that. We also talk about her music and we also talk about this time, this time on earth and the real polarized energies that we're moving through. What do they represent to Alana? How does she see it? How is she perceiving it? And what have we noticed in the last couple of years that have really changed on the planet and in us as a culture? So I was speaking to her from here in California. She is over there in Sydney, Australia. So it was lovely to connect with her. And this was a really, really special conversation. So I hope you enjoy and I hope you will check out her work at alanafairchild.com. As ever, we will put all links to her work in the show notes. And for now, enjoy this conversation. Alana, welcome to the show, and it's a pleasure to meet you for the first time. So thank you for for coming here and and having this conversation with me. Oh, it's my pleasure, Lee. Thank you for asking me. I'm really excited to talk with you. Well, I was just sharing with you that your name was familiar to me for many years, and I I knew of your name from the the publishing world and from our field, but I was with a friend, um, I think last October, November, and uh, Scott, Scott Stabile, who's also been on the show, and he said to me, oh, have you seen any of Alana Fairchild's decks? He said, I've got some, I love them, you should have her on the show. So I was like, oh, good idea. And I I, I looked at um, your, is, is it the Earth Warrior card deck? Yes, deck? yeah. And it was brilliant. And what I was telling you, I, n- I now have multiple of your decks. <laughs> your decks are so good. Um, this is my favorite. The sacred rebels oracle. You you had me at the word rebel, and <laughs> putting sacred in front of it helped. But what I love about your cards is the detail and the complexity in your descriptions. So the art is beautiful, the presentation is beautiful, but they're very deep to work with. And so I told you just before we started last week, I was having a bit of a day with something, and I thought I'll pull a card as I sometimes do, 
and I pulled one of yours and it was perfect. It was bang on for giving me a, a different way of looking at what I was experiencing. So um, kudos to you for all your oh, work. <laughs> Thank you for that. It's funny, you know, I realized that I'd had some training to write Oracle decks before they were even invented. And it was when I was about, I think maybe 15 years old and I did art at, uh, at high school. And part of the art training was that we would look at different artists' work through different genres and generations and then write a kind of essay about it really, which is essentially sort of what I do with Oracle decks. I'm inspired by the art or the idea and then I write. But I, I still remember the teacher, I used to write a lot, like really a lot, and clearly I haven't broken the habit. And the teacher once asked me to stand up and read what I'd written in class and I was mortified. I was so embarrassed and I... I just hope she'd never ask me again, which she didn't, fortunately. But clearly that tendency I've just brought through. And it wasn't till, you know, what, 20 years later or something that I realised, oh, my goodness, I was trained to do this when I was a teenager and I just didn't realise this is how I'd be using this love that I have for art and, and the written word. Isn't it funny how that shows up for all of us? You know, you can go yeah. back through your history and find things that were trainings for things that you didn't even know you were going to walk into. Yeah, I call them cosmic breadcrumbs. It's like the universe is going, here you go. <laughs> I know where you're going. I know you don't really know, but it's going to be all right. <laughs> Brilliant. So what were you, you know, what were you doing when you were younger? Like when did spirituality come into your life or what, what did you think you were going to do before you ended up being this very prolific author and teacher? Spirituality is something that I kind of uh, came into this world with. It was always a sense of me. Uh, I was raised in quite a religious household, but sort of unconventional religious. Um, so we were Catholic. That's the tradition that I was raised in, but we were pretty lax sort of Catholic. So we believed in a lot of things that's probably not really traditional Catholic teachings like reincarnation and psychic stuff and past lives. That was all pretty much just considered fact like <laughs> I never really talked about it and I, I'm mixed with a lot of people from a lot of different cultures and religious backgrounds so even from a very young age about six years old I was looking at images of you know the divine goddess Kali and um, Guru Nanak and just you know the Buddha and and then of course Christ and Mary and all of these images and symbols were around me and I just accepted it and I also from pretty much the moment I was born, felt a very strong spiritual connection with nature as well. Always felt the divine was sort of imminent and transcendent. I just didn't have the words for it. But I used to lay on my back as a little girl and look at the sky and just commune with God. I didn't even really uh, have any languaging around it. It was just something that was with me. And then the struggle for me was really when I started to go through schooling and you sort of get exposed to society and different ideas and I never lost that spiritual connection, but it was like there were other almost mental programs that started to come in about the world and how to be successful and how to, you know, uh, overcome fear of survival and a lot of stuff that I'd not only inherited ancestrally through generations of uh, migrants and people who'd moved all over the world and had to deal with this sort of dispossession of having your life uprooted and having to start again somewhere else. So there was that kind of heritage. And then there was just the fear that's in mainstream culture a lot of the time that tells us we have to control everything. And I didn't really know what I was doing. And we got to this 
point in, I think we're about 16, 17 years old and there was careers training in school. And it was like, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? And I was like, I have no idea. (laughs) I don't know. And I, I still remember they had these posters on the wall, like if you're good at English, you could be this, you could be a journalist or da 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 da. If you're good at math, you could do this and so on. And I remember looking at all those posters and none of them said singing, dancing, spiritual teacher, <laughs> slash writer, whatever. That wasn't there anywhere. And I felt actually got a kind of depression around it. I felt very bleak and very lost. And so my default was just to do what I thought I should do based on this kind of societal stuff that I'd internalized. So I went to law school and met some wonderful people, but really it wasn't good for me. If it's your path, then I can imagine you might love it, but I really didn't. I was sort of doing it because I felt that's what I should do. Um, So I struggled for quite a while and spirituality, I mean, it was always there. Like I got totally busted in (laughs) in a litigation exam because I was in between cross-examining. I was so bored. I was reading a book on chakras and my (laughs) in the middle of this exam, which is appalling, disrespectful behaviour on my part, but really quite revealing about where my interests should be going. And uh, my teacher at the time afterwards just said, you can't do that, you know, that's just not on. And I thought, he's right, like, that's not good. I, I need to listen to what my subconscious is telling me <laughs> and follow my passion. So I finished law school and a girlfriend at the time said, go and see this spiritual teacher that I know. Let her do a reading for you. Go and study meditation. And I thought, you know, I love this stuff. I'm going to go and do that. So I met her and she said to me, I think I was about 19 or thereabouts, and she said to me, you should do what I'm doing. And then I had this moment where this voice just came out of my mouth. I didn't even know where the voice had come from. And it just said, yes, that's true. I know. And I was like, which part of me is speaking? And that was it then. I started with her and that was the whole journey and it's unfolded and changed a lot and I still don't really know what I'm doing, but I do know that I'm being led and and I do trust there's this intelligence that isn't always conscious to me and yet is deeply personal and I think in all of us that knows the path that's going to best suit our authenticity and, and our talents and what we've come to do in this world, you know, whatever that may be. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing all of that. That's brilliant. And isn't it funny, I, your story of being, if you like, initiated by a reader, that that's happened to so many of us. It's like whether it was a workshop or a spiritual mentor in your life or going to a reader, it's almost like the baton gets handed on um, and you don't, you don't realize it. So I'm guessing when you were not paying attention in the cross-examination uh, <laughs> test and you were reading the chakra book, no part of you ever thought, oh, I'm going to be one of the authors on these shelves in the future. No, no, I never did. Um, and I never really, I always loved to write, but I, I never really thought about being a writer. And I don't, for some reason, I don't know why this is, but I don't have much of an identity around it even now. Like if people say, oh, do you, uh, do you write or whatever I, I do, but I don't, wake up thinking of myself in that way it's just something that I do I guess for me writing or music or connecting with art or doing healings with people or teaching anything it's all part of the same tree just different parts of the tree branch or a root or fruit or leaves whatever but it's all part of the one thing and that's really for me, like what I'm really passionate about is the beauty of the spiritual worlds as I experience them and wanting to share that with others because it's helped me just so much. And I think 
you know, when we're madly in love, whether it's with a person or a thing or a place, we just want to tell everyone about it, you know, drive our friends insane talking about this fabulous person that we've just met until they can't stand it anymore. And that's what it's like for me with spirit. It's just this beautiful love affair that continues to deepen um, still after, you know, more than 20 years of this deep work in this profession. It feels new and fresh and I, I just want to keep sharing that and hopefully sharing that energy which is what speaks volumes I think and and what we really need in this world because there's many distractions and many different points of view and and that can be a blessing in that we have the option to choose but sometimes it can be confusing and overwhelming and we really just need to feel that sense of connection and place and steadiness and truth that cuts through and, and says to us you know you don't have to do anything the way someone else has done it necessarily it's okay and trust yourself and trust your journey and there's a beauty in it that's entirely reliable even though it's probably not going to be particularly predictable <laughs> totally one of the things i was so inspired by when i first started looking into your work in a deeper way you know a few months ago knowing that we were going to do this i loved your multidimensionality and for me that that's very recognizable because i also have always felt quite multidimensional so it's kind of like when you say the identity thing couple of things hit me at once listening to you. I've always struggled to be fixed in one identity because of course, all of us are so many things. It's like, if you ask a mother, oh, you're a mother. She might say yes in that moment when you're thinking about her with her child, but she's also a million other relationships and ways of behaving. But isn't it weird that our traditional society training wants to box us and kind of put us in one box? And it, even I remember meeting with a, one of the biggest spiritual authors, publishing houses, sorry, about a decade ago. Now they wanted to meet me and they said, well, we don't know what box to put you in. And I, I remember <laughs> walking away. So I never went with them and I ended up with the people I, which was great actually, but I walked away going, what do you mean? They were going, we don't know what box to put you in because we, we don't know whether to define you as a channeler or a teacher or the other things that you're doing. And I, I found that so interesting that even, you know, a big spiritual publishing house still thought in boxes. And I was thinking, well, isn't that what we're breaking down? Isn't that what this generation has the opportunity that we have the opportunity to be multidimensional? That's fascinating. God, how interesting. I actually had a conversation recently about a kind of trend that I didn't realise existed, but um, the woman that I was speaking to was also uh, quite a prolific author of decks and she was saying that a lot of her community was saying that they were struggling around the definitions of what it is to be a healer or a light worker and, you know, can you, it's almost like can you be a broader kind of brushstroke of person. Can you have a bunch of different traits if you want to consider yourself to be a spiritual person? I thought, oh my goodness, we've got to nip that in the bud. That's going to yeah. get in the way and, <laughs> and make life difficult. But it's, I think sometimes we're just not conscious of it. And it's probably the way we look at the world. And certainly I would suggest probably marketing perspectives want to, you know, get some kind of clarity. And, and sometimes We've just got to be comfortable with the fuzzy edges. I think that can be where the really good and true and juicy stuff happens. But I remember once I was running an event called Divine Circus and it was just, I, I still don't really know what it was, <laughs> but it was the music and drumming and dancing and um, house music that I'd co-written with someone but with mantras and it was so much fun and just beautiful energy. But I remember people 
emailing before buying tickets, fair enough, you know, and just saying, what is this exactly? And I never really knew what to say to them because I couldn't really define it. And sometimes that's tricky, but if we can hold space for that, it's such good training for the soul because when we're, <laughs> when we're in our soul journey, I think mystery is such a key part. We, you know, when you're really in that, especially in that kind of growth edge, you're not going to know what you're doing. You know, it's sort of that almost caterpillar in the chrysalis kind of thing. You're digesting old parts of self and you're clearing it out and the new part hasn't yet come through and you won't have clarity. And sometimes I think if we need everything to be really defined, we might turn away from the unknowing spots, but that's where the real good stuff is and where the change happens. So I just think it's really fascinating uh, what you're saying and so relevant for so many people. Well, it's funny because hearing you say that one thing that hits me that's relevant right now, I, from my perspective anyway, in the last two years, we have seen a rise of rigidity, restriction, division and labeling. But mm. then energetically in consciousness, what we're seeing, feeling and, and, and anyone who's uh, alive and awake to this, this rise of inner consciousness that's coming through people that's in complete polarity it seems to what's going on in the outside world but my guides are always saying well the two are happening in in sync they're sponsoring each other so I'm I'm wondering for you what has come up for you in the last two years as we've gone through this kind of energy squeeze that we're going through I'm, I'm curious what has I guess revealed itself or birthed in you as a result of that I love that question I love the observation too and, and your guidance around it because I was just thinking it's such a psychotherapeutic approach as well, like the opposites tend to manifest. So mm -hmm. where we're doing work on one thing, the world can be demonstrating something else. And it's funny that we're talking about this because I, I just had this sensation when we first started talking in this Zoom call of like a, um, a bubble around us, like such a strong container. And that isn't always, I'm assuming that was your intention, it was very strong, I could feel it, but that's not always the case. Sometimes things feel more chaotic or they're not as held and this feels very held. And I thought, oh, there's that. It was nice actually. I was like, oh, I can settle into that container. Same, same feeling with you, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And so I think the last two years for me, I mean, in Australia, the whole um, increase of restrictions on the way we operate as a, as a society has been quite marked. It's been quite strong some areas more than others, but I live in Sydney and I was certainly feeling it the last couple of years and certain things I instantly changed. I was going to take a large group to Egypt and I needed to cancel that. I stopped traveling through North America and I was just really grounded, um, really grounded in Australia. And for me, I'm such an introvert whilst I wouldn't wish, you know, suffering on anyone, but I was in a way I was grateful for it because it, it gave me an opportunity to really just embrace that hermity kind of way that I actually quite like. Uh, and it became very, very richly creative um, because the energy that normally goes out could come in. And I think for me, I'm very used to that process um, because it's part of the healing journey. So I worked with it. I wrote an entirely new um, healing program called the Kuan Yin Transmission that works with five different facets of the divine feminine from five different cultures and traditions around the world. So that I loved that. I was communing with the divine mother in all of these forms and it was very, very lush. And I did 
um, two years of a very intense Qigong program where your energy is completely open. So I was like closed but open and things were flying and it's it's probably been some of the most deeply personal healing most intensely in the last two years. So I've I really worked with it consciously. But what I noticed was for those people that maybe are either just more extroverted by nature or were not used to doing inner work, some of them really struggled, apart from all of the practical struggles that some people went through with their jobs and so on. But they struggled uh, in a different way, almost psychologically, feeling either perhaps um, out of their depth or, or not really knowing how to deal with things. And I know there were some disturbing statistics around domestic violence and that sort of thing. It was sort of like, and drinking, that kind of thing was coming up. I, I don't know if that was a global phenomenon, but we did notice locally that there was these spikes and coping mechanisms of, you know, almost being pushed into ritual space where you need to confront your inner world and do that work and not necessarily having the training or the preparation to do it. And then it's just incredibly, incredibly difficult. And it, it's so fascinating because I think, any work that we do on personal healing, even if it doesn't seem to be um, that dramatic, but even those small steps, it's all preparation. It all readies us to be able to take whatever situation arises and work with it like fertilizer rather than like, you know, crap it, and, and actually say, you know, what can I do with this? This is happening. I can't control it. But I do have so much empowerment as to how I want to respond to it and what I want to come out of this. And it's the same situation, a different attitude and a different level of capacity. And I think, you know, the thing that really struck me about the last two years for the planet, I felt like humanity had been pushed into a soul school where I was like, okay, here's an initiation. Everyone's going through it. How's everyone going to deal with it? And I think a lot of people... <clears throat> excuse me, myself included, but a lot of healers and light workers and therapists and people that are really about supporting others really felt like they needed to step up and hold space, not only for themselves, but for so many people. And honestly, I've been really proud of us as humans. It's not easy being in a human form. It's really tricky, but I've just felt much more a sense of collaboration and togetherness. And I'm, I'm just so grateful for all of the people that are doing this work. And I, I kind of felt like we were all there together in some kind of, you know, gorgeous unofficial daisy chain kind of holding the, <laughs> holding the space together so that we wouldn't get drowned in the fear and the, the anger and the stress that many people were releasing through that time and didn't really know what to do with. So, you know, I know we've got a ways to go, but I think it's also good to just say, well, that was something and and here we are now yeah. and there's a change happening and we'll take the next steps whatever they may be beautiful and i'm curious what you feel like if you feel into the next couple of years you know we're doing this in by the time this airs it will be spring of 2022 here uh in your hemisphere you'll be in fall right in yeah. australia um so yeah what do you feel about the next couple of years what do you what do you tap in on it feels to me like there's a spaciousness there and we have a real power of choice. It feels like 
There's this saying that we have in Australia, it's probably fairly global, and it's that if it ain't broke, you don't fix it. And it, it's just the, the trouble that we have sometimes that if we can coast, sometimes that's what we do. It, it takes a certain kind of deep motivation to want to work on yourself and apply what you've learned when you don't have external pressures forcing you to do it. And I think there's something out of the last two years where on some level, a lot of people are tired and they don't want to deal with it anymore. They just want to kind of go back to normalcy. But I think there's also probably a greater degree of people who recognise this is something different. We're, we're in a phase that is relatively uncharted. The time after intense initiation feels in a way like there's a bit of relief, but at the same time, this is the time to apply what we've learned. This is the time to really, it's like with the pressure off, enjoy the new level of skills or um, self-awareness or whatever it is that's come and make sure that we don't just um, try to go back to what it was before. So if you've developed a meditation practice or if you've started journaling or if you've had to reach more deeply into yourself and your spiritual connection to get through something in the last couple of years, now is the time to enjoy it. And rather than it feeling like it's pressure for you or something you have to do to survive, it can be something that you start to integrate into your life and actually just really love. And I think we are at this point where it seems like not a lot's happening, but I actually feel it's an integration time. And probably the next couple of years is a pretty major adjustment for the planet and for humanity as a whole. And I feel that there's it's like a wave um, that we've been surfing. And, and when you kind of come down on the other side of the wave, there's a bit of a free, bit of a free ride. I feel like we're in that phase at the moment. Um, so yeah, don't take it for granted, I guess, is what I would say around that. I hope that we can continue to work and, and really apply what we've learned. And I think if we do that, for a lot of people, this can be a pivotal time. It's, it's sort of a time of almost like a proverbial spring where the energies can start to, to emerge, but we, we do need to pay attention and really make the most of it. That's my feeling anyway. No, I love that. Thank you. I, I had a good friend uh, talking to me the other day and you know, understandably, and like we all can have at moments, she was worried about the world, you know, and I, th I think that's something that everybody has had a moment with or many moments with in different ways over the last couple of the couple of years. And we were talking and we're close and I, I very clearly heard my guides and uh, said to her, well, your personal breakthrough is, is the breakthrough the world needs. And of course, I took that for myself too, as you do. And it was, of course, if we actually want to see a collective breakthrough in the outer world, the worst thing we can do is recoil from our own and simply observe what's going on out there and wait for it to change or hope it changes. Or Because certainly if you look at leadership around the world at the moment, it's kind of clear that at a consciousness level, it's broken. So something new has to come. And whether that comes this year or the year after or who knows, but it's going to take all of us um, in our own consciousness doing exactly what you are saying here which is really you know how has this last couple of years transformed you the way you want to live and the way you want to look after yourself because that's what I hear and it's funny one of the things I've been called to say over and over again the last two years is self-care is not a luxury it's often you know a, a magazine article says oh self-care time it's like oh this is what you do at the weekend and it's like no this is what you have to do every day or whatever it is for you, whatever that looks like, you know, we have to be able to balance and regulate ourselves. And I think there is understandably a massive shock about how some of the outer coping mechanisms or outer structures that used to hold us in place or that we used to hold us in place have kind of gone away. 
So suddenly it's yeah. like, okay, well, how do I, how do I stabilize who I am? And then from that, as we know, creative birth happens, but it usually happens after some kind of transformational process. So I really feel the creativity and the innovation of the coming years. Whenever I tap in, I'm like, God, there's going to be so much good, positive change as well, but it's very understandable to right now, particularly with some of the oppression that we're seeing playing out or trying to play out, why it can be scary to look at it right now. I think that's so beautiful, what you've just said and and really deep. And I feel... I totally get why people would feel that sense with the the oppression becoming so visible. And I just think, you know, there's like take, for example, if someone's an alcoholic and they've been, you know, kind of out of it for a very long, long time and then they start to sober up and suddenly everything looks so much worse because there's awareness there, but it's not worse. It's the same as what it was. It's just more visible. But in that position of having the courage to bear witness to it, then something can be done constructively in response to it. And I think that's what's happening. There's nothing new on the planet at this time in terms of oppression. It's just more visible. This has been going on since the beginning of humanity. So I think to recognise it and to even have a response where you're afraid of it is totally fine. That's a normal, healthy response to have to something that is either traumatizing or distressing just don't think that that's the end of it that that's just the first bit and then the next bit is and I love the way you described it it's well what is within my power you know where am I actually empowered to be able to be constructive and we can underestimate and overestimate what we can do as individuals and I think the overestimation is the belief that we have to look at the world and try to mold it in our image and that's just disastrous that's what leads to oppression and we might think that we have great ideas and everyone should do it this way but no that that doesn't work so <laughs> we can just acknowledge that but the uh, we can underestimate the power that we have in working with our own energy and what that actually does in the system in the field but it's like bringing more light into a darkness and helping people find clarity and then they say oh I can do that too and it's this beautiful chain reaction so I feel that you know, recognising what's happening, having it almost in our face is not necessarily a bad thing in the long term. It can actually just be sort of a wake-up call in a way. And the one thing for me that I really, I've been a bit um, nervous about and inspired by actually two two responses to it is this thing that this sort of species self-hatred that I see sometimes floating around where humans think that we're just the worst and we're a virus, we're the real virus, this kind of thinking that's going around. And that made me nervous. I thought, you know, if you tell yourself you're rubbish enough, you start to believe it and you'll lose your confidence and you'll lose your self-esteem to actually do something. And I kind of felt inspired then to start sharing this. It's in the um, Buddhist teachings about the innate goodness of human beings and how precious a human life is and this sense of, you know, what can we actually do together? And there's heroism in the human heart and there's this desire to want to help and to take care of the beings that, you know, are kind of in our custody and, and to love our planet. All of that is in humanity as well. And I think... Sometimes we mis, um, misinterpret just the accumulations of unprocessed trauma, which is what this oppression is. It's, it's not some horrible, you know, humans being evil. It's just unprocessed stuff over a very long, 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 long time. And when we do our work, it's like chipping away at it. And sometimes you do a little chip and suddenly a whole thing just collapses <laughs> and clears. And when we're all doing that in different ways, we break through it. And I really... 
I know I'm just, I'm an optimist. I've got a lot of like Jupiter energy in my astrology charts, very strong, but, but I feel it in my heart. That's why we're here. You know, that's why we care and, and why so many of us have this desire of wanting to help. And, you know, if we think about what we want for humanity, for ourselves, for each other, when we're in our heart, we just, we want beings to be happy. And we want them to be free. That's it. So true. And I am called in this very moment. We're going to the sacred <laughs> oracle. I already picked a card, Alana, but I feel like we need to get a different one <laughs> on this, based on this conversation. So I'm shuffling, I'm shuffling. Tune in, everybody listening and watching. What do we need to see? What do we need to see? Oh, oh my God. Oof. Okay. So after, after the storm. The storm <laughs> and it's an owl with. <laughs> is that a golden moon behind it or sun yeah, or yeah i guess That's solar stunning. or lunar disc and a, a like a merkaba wow. in its in its um talons yeah now oh. i'm sure if we open the book and read <laughs> there is a beautifully composed oracle description from you but but perhaps if if i invite you to freewheel yeah <laughs> i will <laughs> I will, and I'll be a typical sacred rebel and, and tell you something that's not in the book um, that just occurred to me when I saw that image um, again, which is one of the forms of the um, the goddess Tara. It says that she can manifest as an owl, and actually the owl is connected with the goddess Lushmi as well as her kind of sacred vehicle that she travels upon. And, and the reason I want to share that is because one of my favourite teachings about the goddess Tara, and Lushmi is considered one of her forms in the um, Buddhist tradition, is that she manifests in whatever form is needed. She's entirely resourceful and entirely creative. So if you need a car, she manifests as a car. If you need a piece of information from your doctor to make a good decision, she manifests as that piece of information. If you need a spiritual insight or healing energy or the right opportunity at the right time <clears throat> or some kind of protection, that's how she manifests. And the reason I love this story is because it takes the, the weight, the inappropriate weight, the inappropriate responsibility off our shoulders to figure out how everything is going to be resolved. And all that is required is that we make the connection and tune in. So you talked about self-care. This is like, a, I guess, a version of spiritual self-care, something that I do daily and I just need it. It's like breathing or taking a shower. It's just part of my, you know, my being, my way of living where we tune in and we find that heart connection to whatever form of the divine that really, or sacredness or the universe, whatever language, whatever form really resonates and feels comfortable for each person. And we allow that to nourish us at the heart level. And when that's strong enough, it's like this fountain. And then whatever needs to happen, we have that openness and that uh, connection to the universe that it will just, it happens spontaneously and we don't have to orchestrate it. And I think there's a letting go in that that is both incredibly empowering because we're aligning with the current. So I'm just like surfing the wave rather than trying to, you know, sometimes say like stand at the shore and yell at the waves to do what we want them to do. You'll never see a surfer doing that. It's ridiculous. And yet we, <laughs> we kind of sometimes feel like that, I think, with the divine. So we can align ourselves and it's so empowering. But for the ego and, and the mind and, and the way we've been conditioned in society, it can feel a bit scary as well because we're sort of letting go of that control. But I just feel that there's so much just in that simplicity of just make your connection every day, build the energy within. And there's a lovely teaching in the shamanic traditions 
from all over the world that I just adore. And it's just potentiate yourself, feel yourself with so much luscious good energy of whatever that is for you that you don't have to get into defense mindset around, oh, I don't want to be oppressed or this or that, or just empower and feel yourself and then allow that energy to do what it will do and, and follow your guidance in that way. I just wanted to share them. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Um, I'm curious, what is the process for you when you're creating an Oracle deck? You touched on it a little bit earlier. You said you often respond to the art, but uh, I mean, do you, do you literally go, okay, I'm going to do a new deck and it's called this, or is it a much more amorphous process? How does it begin to birth in you or is it different each time? It's different every time. I think amorphous is probably a pretty good general word for everything, (laughs) (laughs) everything creative. Sometimes I write the the outline and the artist creates the art. Sometimes it happens like that. More often I see the art, I'm totally inspired and the idea comes to me and then I mercilessly stalk the artist online begging for them to do <laughs> to do an oracle deck. Um, sometimes it takes a bit of convincing, but that sort of it can happen that way. And sometimes like the Earth Warriors deck that you mentioned, that came out of me spending a few years with a drumming community in Sydney with these young people and just noticing how they bonded with each other, that they created their own kind of um, community that had a, an almost tribal quality to it, a definite family quality. It was very spiritual. It was so um, in the feminine of, of rhythm and healing and friendship and connection. I was fascinated. There were such free spirits and I really felt very at home there with those people that I I didn't know that well, Um, but I was very moved by them. And I immersed myself in that. And then I thought, I want to write about this. I want to find this energy of this unity and this oneness that's kind of almost acultural and intercultural at the same time. And I'd always loved from a little girl, wisdom from different cultures and traditions. That's how I was raised. So that kind of led to the birthing of Earth Warriors. And I I remember still I was... excuse me, I was at a spiritual festival and I was standing with my publisher and I just told him about this group of people and I said, I want to write a deck about this group of people and we hadn't even found an artist or anything yet. And I just said, I think it's Earth Warriors. And he said, I love that title. And I said, okay. And then it was some time later when I found uh, Isabel's beautiful work and it just felt, it was like, oh, that's, that's it. That's what that art is. And I asked her and she was open to it and It just kind of happens. So sometimes I know, but with Sacred Rebels, I think I mentioned to you before we started, I wrote that three times and I still didn't have a title and it (laughs) kept changing. I kept rewriting it and I was like, it's not happy, it's not finished. And then almost at the end of the third rewrite, Sacred Rebels popped into my mind. I went, oh, that's what it is. And then I just knew. Maybe it's like naming a child, I don't know, but it just (laughs) popped into my head. So it really varies, Um, but I just follow it. I follow the instincts. I become very... um, like I like the way Rumi describes it. Um, if you want to be written on, become a blank page. No, it's like that. I just become very open and very empty and then say to the universe, okay, off we go. And then it's like a, <laughs> a mad ride through whatever the energy. They're their own little universe. You know, writing Earth Warriors felt very, very different to writing the Kuan Yin Oracle or the Mother Mary Oracle. They're all so different. But I love that because I think spirit is multifaceted and and multidimensional and so generous and it's like different vitamins. Sometimes you need vitamin E, sometimes you need D, and they're not supposed to be the same. They have slightly different functions, but they all enhance well-being. Of course. So for you, because you often describe your process as we've been speaking as amorphous, uh, you're surrendered, it's 
And I'm wondering, like, for anyone listening or watching who's like, yeah, my creativity is like that too, but then how do I get it to a finished product? For you, was it the first thing got published? And from there, you always had a team of people who would work with you to, you know, nail it all down when the time came to nail things down? Or have you developed more structure? I'm cu- I'm, I'm curious about the the gap between being in the flow and the surrender of creativity to birthing and releasing a finished product because to look at your work to look at your website it's like oh wow there's quite a lot that she's put out here that's you know there's a whole a whole series of things there's a whole structure around what you do so I'm curious how the structure uh intersects with you and your creative process I think my answer to this will be really revealing because I've never thought about it (laughs) (laughs) my um in in Australia there's two kind of quite popular known cities. So there's Sydney and, I mean, obviously many cities, but Sydney and Melbourne are usually, um, they're quite close. They're on the East Coast. Like people have usually visited. Melbourne is so organised. It's really easy to find your way because it's all laid out, um, you know, and everything's kind of at right angles and it's just you walk here and turn the corner there, right. Sydney is like just, it's like my hair. There's bits everywhere and it kind of goes everywhere. So my, I'm like Sydney. I, I wish I was more like Melbourne, but, but I'm like Sydney. So I start here and, and then that leads to something else. And, and I, now I can see, oh, my gosh, it's a plan and everything leads to everything and there's courses and it all fits together. I had no idea of any of that. That's all I feel, the kind of greater spiritual intelligence, like a flower, you know, all of the petals, how do they know how to open and, and all at the right time with the light. I just feel like I'm one of the petals and then there's another petal. But but there's this intelligence that has all of it. And I, I really feel it's the same intelligence that governs our human journey, not just how our body grows and develops, but how our soul grows and develops. It just knows, which is why I always think it's good if you've got some really random thing that feels like it connects to your heart, but it doesn't fit in anywhere else of your life. Don't worry, just go for it anyway, because it's probably just some weird pedal on the other side. But eventually you'll come back and you'll say, oh, no, it all fits together. Um, I feel like I've gone on a huge tangent. No. I, I, <laughs> well, I guess the question, I, I guess where the question was coming from, because you did answer, you did answer. Oh, but, I, I, but, but there is a bit more that I would love to hear from you. I guess, you know, I'm, for a moment, I'm putting myself in the body of the listener or the viewer and they're going, yeah, I'm really wildly creative like that too, but I can't, I can't structure anything or how do I finish things? Or how is it that Alana, who seems to be living in this very surrendered, (laughs) non-structured world, how has she got all these books and Oracle? So I was just, I was curious as a creator, at what point does structure intersect for you? Or was it the case that it was really getting your first thing published that that was the the breakthrough moment for you because of course then your popularity would lead to your publisher saying we want to do another thing. I, I'm I'm wondering where where and who holds the space for structure and it sounds like you're doing it from a divine intelligence level that it's kind of the structure is working its way through. But yeah, what other structure is required for you to? Uh, get stuff done. I'll, I'll say get stuff, yeah. not, the, yeah, other, get not stuff. the other phrase that we use a lot around here. Yeah, no, it's um, it's a great question. And I think for me, I'm just, there's not really anyone um, saying to me, you need to get this done now and how are you going with it? I'm very um, self-oriented in that regard. That's just a personality trait. I'm quite pragmatic, um, actually. And 
I want to get it finished. And, and when I'm writing, I, I often, same if I'm singing or um, speaking a meditation or something, I'm often feeling into who are the souls that are going to be hearing this or reading this. And, and so it's like I'm already having that conversation and I really want to get it. It's like thinking I need to call someone and then you think it enough and then you just make the call. It's, it's like when I put that energy out in the form of, you know, I send it to my publisher and go, this is finished. Um, it's like making that that call. So I think for me, the structure is a little bit like I just I want to get it finished. That's my nature. And part of that is just really motivated by this love and compassion. And, and also it feels really good. Sometimes there are times when it's just hard going. You know, I, I get into a project and actually this happens so often. I think it's going to be one thing and I'm like, oh, that'll be great. You know, I'm so looking forward to that. And then I get in there and it's huge and it's mental labor and it's like, oh my God. And then spirit will be like, have you thought about this? And I'm like, no, that's it. <laughs> it's, it's so deep. And that's, and I've got to like metabolize it. And it, it's hard work. Like writing a deck, you're sitting there on the thing and afterwards I'm wiped out. So, oh my God, I need a cup of tea and a lie down for at least, you know, <laughs> a while afterwards. So, you know, I, but I have that feeling. I always remind myself, this is going to feel so good when it's, done and when people are connecting with it and sometimes I get these beautiful messages from people about their responses to different decks and that's that's it for me that's just I think oh my goodness I I love you like I love humans and, and the spirit that comes through loves humanity like just cherishes humans I've learned a lot from that spiritual guidance actually and and I, I'm just, I'm very motivated by that. And then I have a great team. My publisher, you know, does the editing and does the design. And I always get excited about that because I'm very drawn to colour and art. And, and so we talk about that. And it's just, we're creating things that are beautiful. And, and that to me is very deeply motivating. But I think, you know, if someone is having difficulty kind of taking that initial inspiration and, and then following it through, which I'd say is not an uncommon thing, um, there are so many like writers groups and different ways. I, I kind of at some stage want to put a program together about this sort of thing, but I, I'm hesitant to say it because my to-do list is like crazy and it, it probably won't be for a little while, but, but I, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling that, that connection to people that are, that are having that journey. And I think part of it too, and this is maybe tricky, you have to suspend the concern about what other people are going to say about it and whether or not they're going to like it. Because sometimes I think that can contribute to procrastination. We get, or we start to think like my mother, bless her. The first time I said I was going to write a book, she said, Oh, who's going to publish it? And it's like, Oh, I haven't written it yet. Like I, <laughs> so I, she's very pragmatic. So I, I think, you know, we have to be careful about not sort of throwing spanners in the works as well and, and just giving ourselves permission. And the other thing I would say, and, and this is something I do, do for myself um you, i i take time and and i treat it seriously and and i i make a decision that i'm going to do something otherwise it's like going to the gym and you kind of have the intention to exercise if you're not really you're not going to pick up that heavy weight and do the work yeah. like so. <laughs> But that's such a good analogy because so, I mean, so much of your process with creativity, I relate to, I'm sure many people relate to. And it, it reminded me that one of the things, because I'm a lifelong creative since I was a kid. And one of the things I've noticed with people who are new to creating things, um, it's like, it's a bit like exercise in the gym. Mm -hmm. 
there's going to be an uncomfortable period or there's going to be the day that you don't want to go. And there's, you know, and I think the <laughs> fantasy is, oh, lucky old Alana. She sits down at her laptop, <laughs> spirit sends her an Oracle deck, then the publisher sends her the vote. It's just beautiful. What a beautiful life. I think we, you know, we can have that perception. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm friends with creatives in, in all different areas and fields. And everybody is really pleased with the end result or proud that they got to the end result and like you it's other people's reaction to it that makes it all it's part of the fuel of it it's like well you're creating this to be offered to someone else but do you go on a healing journey or a strengthening journey or an uncomfortable journey at moments through it oh absolutely um and i think that's a mythic thing it's one of the reasons i wanted to do this show and speak to people like yourself about no alana isn't just wafting down to her living room <laughs> spirits coming in, in and, <laughs> yeah sometimes she might Only be but it's not it's not like that all day you know um yeah it's it's a it's 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 a certain level of work and there's a and and that work can be brilliant but it but it, it is work and it challenges you at times as well and I think it's supposed to I totally agree. I think that's when you know it's it's good, but it's really digging in and you're bringing something through. I mean, the very definition of creativity, it's something unknown, something new, something, someplace that you haven't been before. And that's, you know, exciting, but it's also, it's a bit chaotic. It's challenging. Um, oh, yeah, I, I totally resonate with what you're saying. I remember someone asked me once, she wanted to be a writer and she just said to me, you know, oh, you must love writing so much. And I just said, I, I kind of sometimes really hate it. And she was horrified. I said, don't yeah. get me wrong. I'm I'm incredibly grateful to be able to do what I do. But it's physically you're strapped to something. My brain, you know, doesn't always like it. My body sometimes wants to be lying on the lounge or doing yoga. It's just like it's a discipline. Um, but I accept it and I'm grateful. But I, I don't try to make it something that it's not. I, I, I like that you're you're sharing this, you're kind of demythologizing creativity and, and bringing out the, the real truth of it. And, you know, human beings, we are creative beings that we're creating all the time, our, using our mind, our bodies, we're creating reality. We're, you know, so to, to have some greater access to that and more clarity and, and realize, you know, that struggles with it is not a sign that you're doing something wrong, but a sign that you're actually tapping into your creative journey. I think that's wonderful. Mm. One of the things in your creative journey that I loved as soon as I discovered it was your music and your oh. beautiful voice and the fact that you're creating all of the these different kinds of ways to experience music and sound. And, you know, right before we started, we both talked about the healing power of sound and how important that is uh, to both of us. And I think to many people watching or listening to this. So when did that start to come into your life? What, what, what was the journey with music and sound and your voice? I always loved singing, even as a little girl, um, but I had a lot of uh, fear and a lot of shame and a lot of uncertainty around voice. And it took me quite a long time to chip away at that and work through it and really learn how to feel comfortable with my own voice. Um, so th that really took me well into my 20s. And I was singing on and off all the time, you know, crazy things like school musicals and whatever. I had so much fun. I'm such a little late diva. I loved being on the stage, which is funny because I'm quite private and really an introvert, but it put me on a stage and I, I love it. Um, it's just a chance to, to share light. Anyway, I eventually discovered um, through a spiritual teacher mantras. And as soon as I discovered those, so things are like prayers and sacred words in Sanskrit and Tibetan and 
that was it. It was like some part of me went, oh, I remember these. And what I loved about it was that they're sounds that don't necessarily have a full translation. Sometimes it's a concept. So I could kind of almost surrender the uh, critical part of my brain and just make this sound with the intention of connecting with spiritual energy. And I, I still remember when I was doing one-on-one healings and readings with people some time ago, uh, I used to bring that into the healing and the energy shifts in people when bringing in sound with just, it was next level. And I just thought, what is this? Like, I'm loving this. And I kept exploring it. And I think, you know, music, it's so powerful, that capacity to cut through a lot of thinking and analysis and just connect with people at an energetic level. And I still think it's magic what happens at rock concerts or whatever. It's sort of there's that moment where you feel like you're one with everyone there and one with the music. And that's, you know, that's that human potential that we have. And so I, I just started exploring, but I went through this same multi-dimensional thing. I was doing house music and these crazy events looking like a wild primal, you know, witchy woman on stage. And But that's also part of me and that's fine. But some people were like, oh, you're still a light worker. And it's like, oh, yes, you know, <laughs> you, can, yeah. you can be both. Um, they can be the same thing. So I was doing that and then I've got more into um, ambient sounds and healing like the white light frequencies album is much more uh, ambient and now I'm I'm working on my first really full album which is dedicated to Rumi and I learned a little bit of Farsi which hopefully I didn't butcher on the album <laughs> um, but I had a friend who had to listen to it for me and you know learning to sing Rumi's poetry in Farsi and a little bit in English and just um it might take a little bit longer before it's ready to come out, but I, it's just so close to my heart. And I feel such a strong spiritual bond. I've had some beautiful spiritual experiences connecting with Rumi and I, I just wanted to share it. And, you know, for me, like when recording that album, I just felt this heart connection. Like I just love the divine so much. It's it sometimes it feels too much. And, and I wanted to bring that out in my voice and let people feel it, just that love and, and that sense of, it's like a deep feeling of home, you know, no matter what's going on in your life, it, it's just this eternal, deep, nourishing place of home that's so rich and so beautiful. And I, I just want as many people to be able to feel that in their heart to nourish and strengthen them through whatever's happening in their lives. So, yeah, that's kind of what that's about for me at this stage. It's funny listening to you describe that. I love it because it's like, you you know, you're, you're saying it's so much that I want to share it. I just get this image of you like running across the field with light coming down through you and it's all going through you. So you have to like shake it off. And <laughs> I'm like, that's how she's so prolific. That's what's <laughs> that's going what on. <laughs> it's like you're determined to ground it and share it. And that's that's also your way of, of, of experiencing, I guess, because it's funny, you know, back when I used to do private readings, the Z's once said to one of my clients, that the reason she needed to create was she needed to see angelic energy reflected back to her. And that's what creativity was. You know, you, you bring something. So she was someone who wanted to paint. She had no ambition to be a painter or even a good painter. She was just clear. I like painting and I liked what she was doing. I saw some of her work, but what they said to her was you get to 
bring through angelic energy and then you get to see it reflected back at you and that's very powerful for you as well as the people who are going to want the paintings because for you it's the evidence of angelic energy that you have brought into form and that just comes back to me as i imagine you running through a field with a lightning <laughs> lightning rod coming down you and the oracle decks coming out of each hand and albums and it's it's great meditation series <laughs> in your caftan while you're while you're just delighted about writing an oracle deck you know it's, it's funny. So funny so many people i know like have a story of god, god writing's hard and there is this idea of wouldn't it be wonderful to be an author i still haven't met that many people who can can say in a unanimous way that writing is just what they love to do. You know, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Anyway, it's uh, one of those labor of loves. I, yeah. I remember with one deck, um, the Crystal Mandala Oracle. It, there's a whole story which I won't go into, but it needed to be printed at a certain time to fit in with a course, which gave a very my publisher was willing to do it, but it gave a very narrow time period for the deadline to write it. And so I. I said, no, I'm just going to do it. It was, I had a, like a rough draft, but I think it had to be finished in like 10 days. It was crazy. Anyway, I, I basically, it's the only thing I've done like this. I sort of trans channeled it essentially. I never even really had all the concepts. It would kind of pop into my mind and I'd just write the words and I'd be speaking them. But I was so out of it because I was so top heavy. Like <laughs> I was like a drunk for a week afterwards. I kept bumping into things I wasn't really fully in my body because the energy was pulling up and I remember my publisher at the time one of the editors said to me I don't know what you did with this it's different but there's virtually no errors it's great so easy for me can you do all your decks like this and I just said I'm sorry but no this is never happening again because <laughs> it was just way, way too hard on the body um mm -hmm. so I mean that's an extreme example but I loved that work but I would never put myself through that again it was like a boot camp <laughs> yeah that's brilliant. And I, and I relate to that because of channeling. Like I love yeah. channeling because of what it does. When I hear the clarity of say a channeled, a channeled message from my guide's disease that's recorded, I'm like, wow, that's super articulate. And they packed in so much information, but I couldn't do that for hours a day. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be worn out. So I hear you on that. Yeah, it is definitely a, it pulls you out of your body in a way that if you don't balance it or, or look after yourself, it can be a bit much. And I've seen that happen to some people too. Yeah. I have too. And I love that you're sharing that because I think there can be this misconception, not only with writing, but with spiritual energy work, that because you're working with these beautiful beings, that somehow you should just always feel healed and perfect and you should never be tired. And it's it's kind of, it's anti-human really mm -hmm. to think like that because the body is an organic being like nature. And if nature needs winter, so do humans, you know, you've, you've got to have your you're down in a time before you can have summer. Sometimes there's this conception. It's sort of a technological mindset in a way that we should be on and, and all the time. And it's just, it's not natural for the body and the mind. It, there needs to be that reset. So I'm, I'm so glad you said that. Well, I'm so glad you articulated that the way you did, because I think part of it, it took me a long time to figure that out. And I've been channeling a lot more in a way the last couple of years because it's felt right and it's felt needed. But equally because of that, I've noticed more of a kickback effect. Like I've noticed, yeah. and I'm, I'm probably more stable and strong than I've ever been in my whole life. And still, I think just the nature of the time. Yet I wonder if what you just said the fact that we do erase that from our concept or our programming or our belief about this kind of work 
it lets people like me take a long time to work that out, you know, and I'm doing it. And it's like, you know, now I would say that with more authority than I would have had a decade ago. I probably would have just been muddling through and then recovering, not quite realizing I was recovering. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a thing. I was the same. No one told me. I was like, what? <laughs> but then we figured it out, right? So now we tell people. So we figured good. it. Yeah, we figured it out the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alana, I, I could honestly, this, I could talk to you for about another two hours, but oh. I know, I know that we're going to have to draw to a close. Um, but thank you for today's conversation. It's been delightful to meet you and um, to hear, to hear some of your way of creating and also what you're feeling, sensing, observing about the world right now. And I know our viewers and listeners um, will have enjoyed it too. So thank you so much. Oh, it's been an honor to talk with you, Lee. Thank you. And so much love from my heart to everyone who's listening. Well, we will make sure that we put links to your website in the show notes. So alanafairchild.com and we'll put some links to some of your decks and some other things. Is there anything that you have coming up um, this year in 2022 that you'd like to share, or is it just best for people to go to your website and sign up to your newsletter to learn about future things? Uh, the newsletter is always good because there's lots of new things happening. We do have some courses that will be starting. Uh, they start every March and every August for intakes. Um, but yeah, if you go to the website, you can find out more details. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to picture you running through Australia like a lightning rod <laughs> with, in a caftan with oracle, oracle, oracles and books just flying off you. <laughs> and then lying down and having a cup of having tea. A, having a rest, yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I hope we get to do this again at some point in the not too distant future. I'd love to. Thanks, Lee. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in today and you can find more about Alana at her work, alanafairchild.com. And I highly recommend all of the decks uh, that you can get from Alana. My personal favorite at the moment is the Sacred Rebels, but I'm sure you will find one that works for you. Thank you for tuning in today and we will see you next time on Impact the World. For those of us who are sensitive, intuitive or walking a spiritual path, it is our practices and the support that we have in our life that often is the key to how well we can walk through life. Nine years ago, I created the portal to be an answer to that need for members of my community who wanted to go more in depth with my work. And while my work is still very much a centerpiece of the portal, we have now added other teachers, other voices, other offerings so that the portal can become a well-rounded place for you to receive nourishment and be uplifted, shifted and supported every single month. Here is a look at some of the offerings that you receive every month as a portal member. Once a month, I do a 90-minute live video broadcast. Don't worry if you can't be there live, everything in the portal is provided to you as a replay. But doing it live is a chance for me to be with you as a community. And in that broadcast, I channel, I speak about the energies of the month and expand on my monthly energy update and also take some community questions. Every month you will also receive an MP3 and the MP3 will either be a channeled message from my guides the Z's set to original music from Davo Bozik or it will be an energy alchemy meditation or some other energy teaching. These will be put into your members library 
and you will have access to them to stream and download. We also give you access to a classics library where we take eight classic recordings from recent years so that you can listen to more. Qigong and wellness teacher Stephen Washington gives you an exclusive Qigong sequence every single month. It's called the Body Energy Update and he takes the themes from my monthly energy updates on YouTube and creates a movement sequence for you designed to support you and your process as we go through each month. Stephen is also a wonderful meditation teacher and so you will have access to a library of short digestible meditations from him. As soon as you join, you will also get access to our bonus Intuitive Power Workshop. This was a tour that we took to several different countries a couple of years ago, and we had it professionally filmed. So you will be able to watch a four and a half hour video workshop where both myself and Steven teach you about accessing and owning your intuition in a deeper way. And to round all of this out, we have special member discounts on courses of mine. We also have special music playlists each month. One set of songs designed to help soothe you and one set of songs designed to get you moving. And last year, we brought to the portal something I've wanted to do for a very long time, The Portal Presents. It's where I get to invite some incredible teachers, creatives, healers, musicians into the portal. And every month we spotlight one of them where they deliver an on-camera teaching specifically for our portal members. It's a beautiful new feature. We've had some incredible people coming in and we've got some amazing people lined up for the next year. And the final aspect of the portal is mine and my team's favorite. It's the community energy. So as well as having a private members forum inside the portal, for those of you who aren't on social media, we also have a private moderated Facebook group exclusively for portal members. This is where so many members get to share what they're experiencing, things they're learning, people they're enjoying, and essentially connecting you with people from all over the world who are focused on similar interests to you. My aim with the portal has always been to offer you as much value for your membership as possible. And I feel like in the last year or so, we have really been able to maximize that. So we look forward to welcoming you to the portal and we hope it is a place that can nourish your mind, your body and your soul. Big love.